Artificial intelligence is having a bit of a moment, wouldn't you say? Questions loom at the popularity of ChatGPT. But if you want to jump into the field of AI, today we're talking to the right person. You're listening to Business Extra coming from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm your host, the Nationals future editor, Kelsey Warner. I'm joined today by someone I've wanted to have on for a long time, and I think we've picked the right moment. Professor Eric Shing, the first president at Abu Dhabi's dedicated AI research university, the Mohammed bin Zayed University of Artificial Intelligence. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me here. It's okay. a great honor. It's really good to talk to you. Before we get into it, I do want to introduce our listeners to who you are. So you said earlier that you don't want to listen to all of your credentials, but you're just going to have to bear with me. Okay. okay. I can so, uh, close my ear, I guess. <laughs> as MBZ UAI's first president, Professor Eric Shang has led the university's growth in fundamental AI research and has led the recruitment of a world-class faculty. You've served as a professor of computer science at Carnegie Mellon University, one of the top universities, if not the top, in the U.S. for AI research, where you also were the founding director of the Center for Machine Learning and Health. You're the founder, chairman, and chief scientist of Petuum Inc., which was recognized as a 2018 World Economic Forum technology pioneer. And you've served as a visiting professor at Facebook and as an advisory group member to the United States Department of Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, a.k.a. DARPA. You're a recipient of the National Science Foundation Career Award, the Alfred P. Sloan Research Fellowship in Computer Science, the U.S. Air Force Office of Scientific Research Young Investigator Award, and the IBM Open Collaborative Research Faculty Award. You're a board member of the International Machine Learning Society, and you've authored or contributed to more than 400 cited research papers and reports, which have been cited more than 44,000 times. You are a world leader in the field of AI, and MBZ UAI brought you on back in 2019 to lead its launch. But you are a real, you're a practitioner, you're an academic, you are, you are thoughtful in this field across a variety of, of ways and means. So welcome. Thank you for talking well, to me today. That's a whole mouthful of words. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I just see myself as a professor, as a researcher. And, uh, you know, of course, we do admin, we do surveys to the community. But uh, without the hands-on experience of doing R&D, it's very hard to be a good administrator. I have to emphasize that. So you have to do the research. You have to know the science in order to... We want to create a culture where the insiders are leading the insiders rather than let the outsiders to take the job because, uh, you know, doing science, education, and the development is a very challenging and knowledge-intensive task and undertaking, right? So uh, if, you know, uh, uh, one does not have that uh, domain knowledge and domain expertise, but only having generic administrative experiences, um, unless it is a very mature organization, it is very hard to set the right seat and uh, get the right starting point. So I want to talk about the university and academia later, later, but first I want to get into ChatGPT, BARD, the Microsoft, the AI arms race of it all. We're in, uh, feels like a viral moment for AI. Mm-hmm. How would you characterize the moment we're in right now and the fervor, the public fervor we're feeling for this field. You're right. It is a fervor. You know, uh, to be honest, it's a bit surprise, you know, uh, for uh, people in the research trench, you know, to see, you know, such a fervor because uh, this is not the first time a new technology enters the world stage and causes a disruption. For example, even in my own generation, you know, we've seen 20 years ago the entrance of a Google search engine. Suddenly, you don't have to go to libraries and uh, go very painful kind of uh, uh, copying machines you know, to 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 get documents and the materials, right? Uh, and uh, going back, you know, uh, uh, invention of the calculator basically free people from doing their their daily calculations. I can go on and on with a lot of inventions. But overnight, or 
in the span of like less than two months, ChatGPT mm-hmm. attracted over 100 million users. You're talking about a scale and a reach that is unprecedented yeah. in terms of new technology. That is quite phenomenal. I have to say that I think uh, the wave of ChatGPT caught people's nerve and attention because uh, it was perceived as something that is uh, connecting to the core competence of a human being itself, like you know, thinking and uh, intelligence and so forth. But I do want to take this chance to uh, clarify that what has been achieved you know, in ChatGPT, which is quite phenomenal, is about automatically and autonomously writing and also rewriting and, uh, and maybe uh, uh, polishing you know, a written text. It is a task that uh, was uh, determined to be completed or accomplished by a machine. But uh, that doesn't translate to intelligence. It's just like, you know, you take an aircraft, you fly from somewhere to somewhere. The word fly in this case is used as an experience of getting somewhere to somewhere through aviation. It's not about flying through flipping your wings and, uh, you know, and do all the things that a bird is doing, right? So in here, same thing, you know, language production uh, can be achieved through a human approach, through thinking, composition, rational inferences, emotion, all that, but also it can be achieved without that or uh, without all of that. In this case, ChatGPT is sitting on the entire universe of uh, text ever produced by mankind throughout history. And uh, we human beings don't do our composition in that way, but the machine, because of its hardware capability, can have that luxury of sitting on all the written information. But nothing less and nothing more than that. It is not sitting on visual information. It is not sitting on many of the facts and the common sense uh, through experience with the environment. The nuance. The nuances and many other things. Therefore, you know, uh, ChatGPT achieved something quite amazing in writing and in natural language generation. But uh, we shouldn't draw equivalence of that capability to intelligence, for example, knowing what is said, verifying the source of the truth, or even validating in front of you, explaining in front of you, you know, the rationale of the information and so so forth. So you're flagging its inability to cite its sources and its inability to explain to you how it arrived at its... Yeah, that's, that, that is already some uh, very, very immediate li- two, limitation. Two, fa- two fatal flaws, two limitations. Yeah, Not fatal I, flaws, they're both, it's going to be a pro- popular commercial product. But. It's going to be popular, yeah. I, I can, of course, I come up with a long laundry list of the inability, you know, that the chat GPT uh, can clear. And maybe in the future, it can, you know, uh, maybe be further improved to uh, take a few more boxes. But again, it is still not equivalent to intelligence. It's a different thing. So for the office you sit in, does BARD, which is Google's answer to ChatGPT, to Microsoft's Bing, all, all the rest, does this actually catch your attention? Does this change the, the flow of your, of your future? Or is this... Oh, it does. You know, for example, with the uh, use of Google, it made me a lot more productive, you know, uh, in terms of uh, uh, sitting on top of information, gathering information. And also, you know, for example, making sure that I said the right, right papers and so forth. And also, when I go to somewhere to travel, I would Google and find restaurants and uh, find, uh, you, know, uh, you, know, uh, you know, routes and, uh, and the travel plans and so forth. Right? So they definitely deliver a very, very important function. And it does change my life. It changes your life. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily change the uh, curriculum of the university, but it will change your personal life. Uh, it also changed the curriculum of the university, I believe, in the future. 
Because, for example, if you know, uh, traditional homeworks and assignments can be achieved you know, through ChatGPT, for example, I think the university will positively you know, act on it and redesign you know, our uh, assignment you know, or evaluation on the students. I think it is a very positive uh, uh, movement. You, know, you, you have a tool that can do things uh, maybe better than what humans are supposed to do then you would reposition the human being to do something else that is more interesting. Right? Just like, uh, I don't think right now it's interesting to ask a student to do like a, a calculation, you know, uh, on their paper or in their brain. You can use a calculator. But, uh, you know, uh, people could be tasked to uh, use the calculation to design, you know, the next move and to make a better judgment, you know, uh, in, uh, in, in their daily life, for example. Yeah, I mean, one of the first headlines out of the chat GPT popularity was the concern that it was going to lead to mass cheating, like plagiarism was going to be a huge issue and robot-generated text was going to be an upender of traditional education. That's true, but on the other hand, that's not the end of the world. It's just like, you know, you have, uh, yeah, you have machines which run faster than human beings. You still have the Olympics, right? So uh, <laughs> people, uh, you know, have their own games. People don't have to game against a machine when machine can do it better or can be, you know, an alternative. For example, when we say cheating, it is uh, defined in the context of a traditional uh, context, you know, articulating what is cheating, defining what is cheating. But uh, for example, in the past, you're supposed to become your own librarian and go to the, the library and get a good book and so forth. That was considered as a skill in the past for students. And nowadays, we no longer request that because uh, you can Google it. It's totally <laughs> fine, right? So, but you can do other things about the synthesizing the information and uh, maybe uh, build uh, your next innovation and the workflow on top of it. That was considered as a new skill after Google. Now, after GPT-3 and ChatGPT, I think there is a big space for educators and for employers to define the new skill space and then reevaluate and reassess people's performance in that new space rather than in the old space. So that's kind of the way I see it. I think it's very positive that uh, ChatGPT can do some of the mundane work. Uh, of course, I do have a concern, which is uh, there isn't really right now an agenda or an idea uh, about uh, what to do with the production out of ChatGPT. You know, uh, many of the you know, uh, you know, uh, invention you know, are, are providing a service, but they, they don't leave a trace in the society or in the environment. But some do. For example, in the past, we used, uh, say, chemical fertilizers and pesticides. Now we don't use it. Why? Because you use it to achieve a good goal, but they, they stay there and they actually contaminate your soil and so forth. Here, there is a risk of ChatGPT is what to do with the content. These content are produced by machine. Okay, and it will be staying in the uh, cyberspace, in the internet. Mm -hmm. And uh, sooner or later, because of the high productivity of ChatGPT, it may dominate Just the, the level entire of content. Output. Yeah, imagine in a future world that 95% of the content are actually produced by ChatGPT. We need to ask, are we comfortable with that? Or oh, we are fine with that? That's something I think uh, civilization, mankind need to ask and uh, have an answer. Maybe it's fine. But uh, this is going to kind of suffocate inventions like ChatGPT itself because uh, it is trained on human-produced material and text 
so as of now. But if in the future the entire uh, cyberspace are just littered with or filled with ChatGPT or artificially generated content, then how that machine itself gets trained is becoming a problem, <laughs> right? So there is a convergence point or maybe a saturation point where you have nothing to train on in this particular platform. Maybe you need to look for something else, maybe adding visual information or change, you know, another job, you know, to train on. That's so a forth. really interesting risk that I have not yet heard. I don't hear about. that very, very, very I often. I haven't heard often. it come up very yeah. often. Yeah. All right, so it's something to pay attention to. So MBZ UAI, the university where you are president, graduated its first class last month, the class of 2022. 92 graduates, 20 with a master's. No, 52, sorry. 52, sorry. <laughs> We're very sorry. excited about fact, the numbers. Fact check. <laughs> 52 graduates. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I misread. 20 with a master's in computer vision, a strand of AI that trains computers to understand the visual world, mm-hmm. and 32 in machine learning, which is a field that trains computers to mimic human intelligence. So 52 out into the world. The majority of them are staying here in the UAE to either pursue further research or go into jobs. Can you talk about just the moment they're graduating into right now and what the job prospects were for this class? I don't have the exact numbers in my hand because it is changing. The students are still on job market mm-hmm. and uh, they are interviewed by uh, public and private sectors here. And also they are trying to prepare their next stage in advanced education, for example, entering a PhD program. So uh, the number are still fluid. But as you said, they will be mostly staying you know, uh, in the UAE to pursue their next career move. I'd like to say that this group of, you know, talents are very unique compared to what we see in the past because they are trained at a graduate level in this new discipline of AI, namely computer vision, machine learning, as I mentioned. Next year, we're going to also have natural language processing people. Mm-hmm. And uh, their level of skills uh, is, uh, I would say, quite phenomenal. You know, they really can be a game changer when they are, placed in the right place, you know, to shine. For example, if there is a industry or a, uh, a particular team looking for people to develop a chat GPT-like kind of a solution or something downstream, you know, to offer additional services, for example, turning the chat GPT into an Arabic, you know, version of a language exchange and a conversation, these are the people to go to, you know, to really uh, ask for support or development. So I think it is a, a bi-directional play. On the one hand, the university is producing talents of high caliber to take on advanced you know, uh, uh, R&D tasks. But on the other hand, we also need to have an a industry or an ecosystem that is able to consume these kind of talents. So in a sense, the university is at the nexus of this junction. We are trying to also not only produce talented students, we are also trying to help startups, high-tech companies to find their fit here, to really establish a uh, regionally and locally grounded you know, uh, industrial and economical developments. It's a massive needle to thread. It's, it's an ambitious target to... It has to start from somewhere. I, I, we are very proud that uh, you know, we have the opportunity to, uh, to offer the service in that way. Yeah, and I've heard you speak before, you've talked to me about this before, of really wanting to put the UAE on the map, that there are global powers that are so far ahead, the U.S., China, Israel, in terms of attracting talent, developing these private companies and a huge amount of value Mm -hmm. from artificial intelligence capabilities. Um, It's an arms race of sorts. And it is. Yeah. Although it is not that scary. You know, again, you know. 
there's always this anxiety that uh, you know, just like every you know, uh, you know, athlete when they enter the Olympium, you know, you will always feel nervous. But uh, you have to start from somewhere and uh, enter the race. And to set a goal high is very important because uh, uh, we need to have a, a high enough ceiling to really ground the ambition and also to set a plan. Because if you aim low, you will get even lower results. Right? <laughs> so uh, on the other hand, uh, we need to be very realistic and pragmatic and in uh, you know, delivering the results. I would say the arm race of AI isn't as scary as people thought that uh, we are just uh, hopeless, you know, uh, lagging behind. Because this entire science is 50 years old. It's not like uh, mathematics and physics and so forth. You have uh, hundreds, if not thousands, years of history of uh, build-ups, and uh, you sit on a thin ground. Here, we actually are sitting, are standing on the shoulder, on the, the giant's shoulder. You know, uh, thanks to you know the widespread adoption of uh, internet technology, you know, search engines, and also the globalization of uh, trades and the people exchanges. So in a sense, the game is very fair and open. I almost see that the UAE has an advantage compared to many other regions for being more open, to be more aggressive and ambitious and economically stronger. So in a sense, uh, I don't see you know, a huge disadvantage, but I do see a lot of opportunities in here. Opportunities. Can you talk a little bit about um, what industries in particular are being targeted? The university definitely is looking at partnerships. Where, where are you finding partnerships? Where are you finding possibility in industry here? It's actually uh, very, very difficult to invite all of them. There are many, but I do want to uh, make sure that we have a focus. For example, uh, uh, this year is the year of sustainability you know, for UAE. It's a no-brainer that it is opening up not only you know, a uh, national responsibility for the global society, it's actually also an economic opportunity you know, for the country and for the university. Because uh, in the business of sustainability, you see you know, clean energy industry and the logistic optimization and the planning and the transportation smart city, there's a whole plethora of businesses that uh, can be improved using AI technology and data-driven technology to bring the environmental, uh, you know, you know uh, uh, the environment to a better state. Right? So that's where uh, the university has been already you know, working uh, very, very uh, intensely. I can actually point out two specific directions that we work on. One is AI as a solution to environment, where we use AI technology, technology to uh, enable better decision-making, better planning in extracting and using and uh, transporting the energy. But the other side, which is less mentioned, is that AI as part of the problem of environments. Because, for example, training ChatGPT, how much money you have to spend to train that? People don't even say that. Microsoft it, is spending $10 billion. That's the total so, investment. I yeah. think the, even operationally, just to train this uh, ChatGPT engine, you know, uh, once, uh, cost uh, tens of millions of dollars, mm -hmm. right? And you need to do it very million, often. Yeah. yeah. For example, the Google search engine needs to be refreshed almost every day to reflect new results. Likewise for ChatGPT. So this is an expensive business. How to reduce the carbon footprint? How to re you know reduce uh, the hardware infrastructure and the people investment on that itself is a sustainability issue. You want mm -hmm. to make sure that. Uh, in solving problem using AI, your solution shouldn't be more expensive than the problem itself. 
right? So these are basically the space we are in to really position AI as a problem solver and also as a responsible solver that uh, uh, conduct itself to be more economical and efficient. Uh, another space I have to mention is uh, the space of healthcare because uh, again, that is uh, really very intimately you know, connecting to human well-being and also uh, societal well-being, right? Um, I think you know, the entire space of healthcare is entering a AI phase because now we are talking about uh, precision healthcare. We are talking about uh, lifestyle optimization. We want to really uh, lower the kind of uh, the barrier of uh, people taking care of their health uh, without resorting to necessarily, you know, a big pharma and big hospitals to be standing by on a daily basis. Because um, first of all, it is also very expensive and unsustainable. Uh, and secondly, with the advancement of science, people start to realize that the old hypothesis of uh, one drug killing, on, you, know, uh, you know, treating everyone uh, and uh, treating all diseases and so forth, or one drug for one disease, that kind of hypothesis is probably um, uh, need to be revisited because every individual is different, right? Their body, uh, you know, anatomy are different and uh, their environments are different. Therefore, uh, you can imagine the treatment and the, the medication should also be more personalized. So this is a massive new paradigm where, you know, data-driven decision-making become kind of imperative, you know, to help the doctors to arrive at those more personalizable, more customized decisions quicker. So we see the future of uh, entire spectrum of healthcare, starting from drug discovery, you know, uh, uh, diagnosis and uh, uh, treatment, and uh, and the disease prevention, uh, pandemic control, and the maybe early warning of uh, uh, pandemic and so forth, to be looked holistically through, you know, uh, in fact that's where the GPT uh, tech technology can be. Uh, more interesting because uh, they are very good at processing large data better than a human. And uh, in my opinion, that's a better place to see apps like ChatGPT right. to exercise their power. I've, I've re yeah, ChatGPT really needs to exercise its power in the places like not on our college term papers, but on the big existential. Exactly. There are better places for, <laughs> for us to see such power. So what's the invitation? You're in the middle of an admissions cycle. I just want to wrap up here to talk about the school and, and what um, prospective students. Yeah, well, thank you for offering this you, opportunity. I'll give you the opportunity. Yes, yes thank you very Go, much. Sell it. We are in the middle of uh, uh, the recruitment season of uh, 2023. Uh, we look for, you know, ambitious and hardworking and uh, curious, you know, uh, graduate, graduate applicants from all over the world. I want to emphasize, you know, the, the school are open to the entire world, not just to you know, uh, say UAE nationals or regional, you know, uh, residents, right? We want to build a very open and international environment. Therefore, applicants from all over the world will be reviewed carefully and also uh, will be uh, providing the opportunity to compete. But on the other hand, we do have a very high standard. You know, uh, we do expect the applicants uh, have a passion for computing and programming, uh, have knowledge in mathematics, and also, more importantly, have this uh, drive and a curiosity to learn 
new knowledge and solve real world problems. Uh, computer science is uh, different, you know, from uh, many other discipline where uh, you could stay comfortable without touching upon real world problems. I think AI and uh, computing uh, is unique in that it is kind of uh, rooted in fundamental theory, mathematics, physics, and other natural science, but also it is uh, facing society and uh, facing real world applications more closely. It's actually a great thing because uh, you can see the bridge to deliver you a result during your, your uh, you know, quick kind of a graduation cycle and uh, validate your impacts and maybe even uh, accordingly push for further impacts through your work. So I, I do invite uh, you know, students uh, from around the world to, uh, to come apply to, by April yeah. when? Technically, you know, the cutoff date is uh, April 15th. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, uh, we are a small and a young university. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, we have the capacity to be flexible and uh, to be more personable so that uh, if you know, applicants you know, need additional preparation, need to have uh, supports from the university, please do write to us. And we will try our best to accommodate your need and uh, you know, uh, give you, you know, uh, the, uh, the fair opportunity you know, to be appreciated and reviewed. It's fun to talk to you, Professor Thank you, Thank you so much yeah. for taking the time. Sure. Thank you. It's an honor. It's a pleasure to talk to you. That's it for today. All that's left is to thank our production team and you for listening. See you next week.